Amen. You glad you're here? It's good to see the place full today. You know what I mean? It's good to see that there's uh, people looking for chairs and all that stuff. Today we're going to wrap up a three-week process that really kind of wraps up into about an eight-week process. We've been talking about not enough, just enough, more than enough, exercising some of those gifts and some of those graces with back to schools and teachers Sundays and now Thanksgiving and, and really coming into this. I, people say, you know, boy, I, I've been in this church for years and years. I don't recall a time where we talked so much about, about finances. And I would say this to you guys. How many would agree that the Bible is filled with stories of great generosity? God's people have always been generous people. It's not been them that's kind of pushed God on it. It's been God that's invited people into a partnership. Um, it's our heritage. It's our, it's our honor, and it's our turn. And so today, um, I just want to say thank you for being already a generous people. It makes my job a lot easier when I know that what I'm doing is I'm looking at people that already have in their heart. Like just, I'm an arrow that's being pulled back. Just point me in the right direction and let me go, preachers. So why? Why is this? Because, again, it's our heritage. Um, it's where we come from. This is, this is like everything that we're sitting on, everything that we're, we're at, everything we parked over, everything we drove up to, everything you saw in the video. It all happened because people before us have taken their turn. They, they, they said, this is important to me. This is something I want to be a part of. This goes back in our situation to 1961 with the Burks. But long before that, 1906, the Azusa Street Revival, before that, the Holiness Movement in the 1700s, before that, the Reformation, before that, you know, back to the apostolic age, back to Jesus saying, now go do what I told you to do, boys, and the disciples taken off to do their stuff. We have a long lineage, can you see it, of generous people that God has, has done this. And it's our honor to be a part of this. I, something I learned a long time ago and wasn't able to put into language until maybe just about five years ago. But I, I was asking God questions. Anybody ever ask God questions? You should. He's really good at answering them in weird ways. Sometimes through like, like music you haven't heard in 20 years, you know, since you got saved. And suddenly, all of a sudden, that scene in Rocky means something different. You know, you guys have had that one, you know, where your hearts are open and God begins to speak through whatever means necessary, donkeys and Sylvester Stallone, things like that. And, uh, and I, I was asking God, you know, you, you made the heavens and the earth with like a word. Why is it you didn't make your own temple? Why is it you didn't build your own wall around Jerusalem? Why is it you didn't? you know, build churches and just they pop up spontaneously from the ground. Like, you're capable of doing this. You made the elements remain up. Why, why not structure it and organize it so we would know as we walked into it? And, and again, this, this clear revelation comes that God doesn't use people to build stuff. God uses stuff to build people. There's, there's this revelation that it's good for us. It's our honor. I, I, I could build it, but I'd rather we built it. I'd rather call you into partnership, co-mission to accomplish these great things. So it's our heritage, it's our honor, but it's, it's also definitely our turn. Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 20, verse 19. Come on, get out them paper Bibles, all four of you that still carry one. Again, somebody invent the Bible app that when you open it, it sounds like shuffling pages just for your pastor. So everybody knows, you know, the pastor knows this. John chapter 20, verse 19. Let me take you to a moment in time in our history. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, this is... The, the Sunday now, um, Sunday, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked because they were afraid that the Jewish leaders who had executed Jesus were now going to come and arrest and execute them. Jesus has been executed on the cross. He's given his life up. But because he's sinless, he's, he's, death could not hold on to him. Everything that causes death, he did not have. He took it for us. Death can hold him. He comes back on the third day that morning. And uh, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate it, and he, uh, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, let me just stop there for a second. They're, the doors are locked. They're afraid. There's no knock at the door. I, does the Scripture make that clear? 
there, there's no knock, knock, knock. Who is it? It's Jesus. Don't mess with me, man. No, no, really, it's Jesus. Come on, don't do it. Suddenly, Jesus just appears in the middle of the room. Now, how many of you guys know a great way to start this conversation is the way he starts it? Peace be with you. Because if he starts the conversation with like, hey, they all freak out and jump out windows and three doors, and he's got to disciple a whole new 12 guys because they killed themselves trying to get out of a locked room, right? And so he says, peace be with you. And, and so they're like, I know that voice. Can you imagine the moment where they turn and he's standing there? And he's not bleeding and he's not naked. He's not being executed. He's not a suffering, sacrificial lamb. He's now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Somebody say amen. And they see him in his glorified state. They see him in his resurrected body, and they're overjoyed. That's, that's what happens. Peace be with you, and man, peace they got. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and received the Holy, said, received the Holy Spirit. I think this is one of the greatest moments in, in human history, let alone biblical text. Because in this moment, Jesus comes back from the dead, walks through walls. <laughs> As he walked on water, he walks through walls. He's in the midst of them. He says, peace be with you. They freak out, but it's not a freak out that's scary. It's a freak out that's happy. They're filled with joy. But he does something I think is interesting here. He says, peace be with you a second time. And I wondered when I read that, like, did they not receive peace the first time he said, no, I mean, really, really be at peace because they cannot be both overjoyed and walking in fear at the same time. So that the peace that, that they needed to get through the moment of revelation of his resurrection has been received and applied. True or false? But now he says a second time, peace be with you. So why is the second time there? I think it's just theology. It's the King Jim version of this verse. I, I think what he's doing is he's saying, I, I was going to freak you out by my presence. Now I'm going to freak you out because there's a calling on your life to do something more than sit in locked rooms. So peace be with you a second time. And how many guys know, like when somebody starts the conversation, just so you know, I love you, you should be afraid. And when someone starts a conversation, listen, don't, don't freak out. How many guys know you should start freaking out? So Jesus says to them, don't freak out. It's me. They go, oh, it is you. Good to see you. Man, I can't believe this. Wonderful. Yay, Jesus. And hey, again, don't freak out. They're kind of like, okay, you're freaking me out. What, what is this? My father, my stepfather called me and said, hey, this is several years ago. I said, hey, um, just so you know, mom had a heart attack. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Well, it was really bad, and we rushed her to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, dad, me and my mother's passed away, and here he's now a widower. And I'm saying, are you, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I said, well, is anybody with you? Yeah, yeah mom's here. And I'm like, dad, I'm, I mean, is anybody with you? He goes, well, mom's, mom's here. And I said, I know, dad, but are any of the kids there yet? Do you have a friend there? Can you call somebody? No, I just, I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, man. They said, yeah, it's going to be okay. You want to talk to your mom? I said, wait a second. Dad, just one quick question. Be very clear. Is mom dead or alive? He said, well, she's alive. She just had a heart attack. I'm like, I'm going to kill you, old man. <laughs> I said, have you called any other kids? No, you're the first one because you're the pastor. You're like, good. The next kid you call, start this way. Mom's okay, but she's had a heart attack because you just gave me a heart attack, you know? Listen, Jesus starts by saying, listen, it's going to be okay but I'm raised from the dead, and that's going to freak you out. Hey, it's going to be okay, but what you just saw them do to me and what my life was about, I'm sending you out to do the same thing. It's not exclusively my sacrifice. It's ours. It's not exclusively my commitment or my faith. It's ours. That encounter took, if I'm understanding it right through Scripture, about 30 to 90 seconds. 30 seconds, 90 seconds prior to that, Jesus had been executed they, they're locked. They're afraid. They're going to be arrested. They're going to be persecuted. There's no hope. There's no destiny. Everything they believed was a lie. 
Who was this Jesus if he wasn't the Son of God? They executed him. We saw with our own eyes. There's no, you know, no one ever comes back. Every story in life ended with, and then they died the end. No one's ever come back that they ever knew. And so 90 seconds later, he's resurrected, and they're called and anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit to go do it. I mean, you know, that's a good 90 seconds. That's a good 90 seconds. We all need that 90 seconds. 90 seconds compared to the 70 years span of life is almost nothing. So, Jim, what's your point? Here's my point. Lifetime, a lifetime is made out of hours that seem mundane, that can be fearful. Um, days that, that feel like they're arduous, and, man, I hate Mondays, and, wow, I can't wait for Fridays, and Sundays, it reminds me of what I've lost, and, I, you know, Thursday, it just, you know, now that we have football on, no one wants to hang out, and I just, because day, hours become days and years of this sort of life. That's, that's what a lifetime is made out of, but a life is made out of moments. Somebody say amen. The older I get, the more I recognize that it was worth going to Disney World for the moment. It, the more I get older, the more I realize the moments are really what my life is made of. My, my DNA, if you will, my emotional DNA, my spiritual DNA is a collection of moments, not hours, weeks, and years. How about you? Who I am was who hurt me and who helped me who broke me and who healed me, who led me astray, who, who, who led me home. That's my, those are my moments that make my life. My life, who I believe myself to be, who I believe God to be, comes out of these moments like these people had, moments. I don't know what I had for lunch two days ago. Do you? Well, two days ago was sushi. I can't forget that. I'm still digesting it. Three days ago. I don't, know what I, don't eat bait for lunch from VG's. I'm just saying, word of the wise. But I don't know what I had for lunch three days. I don't know what I had for lunch yesterday. I'll never forget the first time I kissed that girl over there. We were holding hands. That's at the stage we were at. We were snuggling on the couch because that's the stage we were at. But I had made a commitment. I'm not going to kiss anybody. If, if, if it's not my wife, then it's somebody else's wife, and I shouldn't be kissing her. If, if I'm not going to marry this girl, somebody else is. She's my sister. So I'm, I'm not going to kiss her. We're done. I didn't kiss my wife until we were married because she wasn't my wife until we were married. But never mind. The, uh, the point, I remember... Some of you didn't get that. I said too fast. We were, we were walking around the corner from her sister's house, and I stopped on the side. I just stopped because this was the moment. I just looked at her, and I said, can I kiss you? And she said, yes. <laughs> and I, I leaned in to give her a kiss. That woman kissed me back. That's all I'm saying. Like, Anyway, the, I won't tell a story, but I'll never forget the moment where she, in the back of the church, New Life Assembly of God in Mesa, Arizona, where she turned the corner, and she came down the aisle. The look on her face, the dress she was wearing, the little hat that she had, these, these beautiful cheeks that were just rosy and full, and all of her friends standing on one side, both of my friends standing on the other side. <laughs> She's from a large family. I move every three weeks. So, you know, hey, you, you, and you, your mammals, put on a tuxedo, I'll meet you on Saturday, you know, kind of thing. And uh, no, they were, they were my dear friends. And we stood up there and, and I was crying. I was weeping. I just couldn't believe how good God was. After all the stupid things I'd done in that area of my life, that God would bless me with this woman. It was just, I'd never forget that moment. She walked up, and as she kind of turned, she had her flowers, her bridesmaid. I saw that down her back were like 60 of these mother-of-pearl tiny buttons that ran down the length of her, of her back. I remember clearly because I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get this woman out of that dress later on? It's got to... <laughs> There's going to be mother-of-pearl buttons flying all over the hotel room as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I can't even look. I'm just going to look this way for a while. <laughs> I, 
I remember our first apartment. I, I got in the ministry for the money and the fame, and so we were making $12,000 a year, and, and it was so small that you could vacuum the entire apartment without unplugging the vacuum cleaner once. I remember it. I remember the vacuum cleaner we had. I remember our sons being born. I remember what it was like to be a father, believing that that first child was just going to, I just couldn't imagine loving anything more. I was almost afraid to have a second child. But then when the second child was born, I learned that day that God gives you enough love for everybody he places in your life, that he wasn't going to compete with his brother ever. There would be enough love for both of them to be there. I remember oh, all the years of moving and all the, the trials and all the temptations and all the people. I remember finishing our first marathon and the hallelujah chorus singing with a 300-voice choir that had left two hours before because we took that long to run the race. So it was a recording of a 300-voice choir singing the hallelujah chorus and limping across. I couldn't even walk to the car. She went and got the car for me. I finished 26.2 miles, and I couldn't walk to the car after I sat down. She went and got the car for me and fed me potato chips. <laughs> I remember getting to Chick-fil-A. How many guys know that after a marathon, you want two sandwiches, not one? sitting in this drive through window. There was nobody there. It was beautiful. And I, I waited. I said, honey, just pull up to the window. I don't know what's going on. Then we realized it was Sunday. <laughs> I remember the good things and the bad. I, I remember the first time I held my grandson in my arms. I, I'm trying to say is this, guys. Life is moments. Life is moments. That was a moment that changed all the other moments afterwards. These are moments that changed all the moments afterwards. And can I tell you something? When I was experiencing those moments, say, well, how much did you weigh then? I have no idea. Well, what was your debt like? I beat me. What was your income like? I, you know, I know the $12,000 one, but I, the other ones I really don't know. Where were you driving? I, I don't know. Who won the Super Bowl? Who cares? But I'll never, how many guys are with me? You'll never forget the moment. Good and bad, they make us who we are, the moments. So what's, what's the point? Well, the point is, is this, is that the Bible is a book about moments. It's, it's ancient moments that, that are brought to modern times where we can see a, a crusty prophet sitting in a cave with a, a literally a, a pen made out of a feather and ink that's made out of who knows what and writing on parchment, the Word of God. There'll be a Messiah who will come, and He will be great. And he'll sit on the throne of his father David. And at the end of his rule, there shall be no end. He should be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. These are, these are moments that are penned that we celebrate all these years later. <clears throat> the, the moments that talk about Jesus' birth and the shepherds, you know, seeing angels and hearing the heavenly choir. And now go to Bethlehem and you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. These are, these are moments. Jesus in the temple as a boy. Jesus teaching um, the Word of God, people, you know, people being awed by the demons coming out and the miracles and the leopards being cleansed. These are just moments. Let me understand, the Bible doesn't record what Jesus did. It records moments of what Jesus did. Matter of fact, I think it's John in his gospel says that we record everything he did, everything we said. There's not enough room on the planet for all the books it would take to contain this. So we get the moments that, that help us create this. We get the moment of his crucifixion where the nail is driven through his right wrist and then his left wrist and then his feet. We get the moment where a crown of thorns is placed on his head. We get a moment where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we understand he's been tempted in every way we've been tempted up to and including the sense, the feeling that God is a million miles away when you're really hurting. And he holds on to what is true and he holds on to what is right in spite of his feelings. And he says, in your hands I commend my spirit. And he gives up his spirit and he dies. And three days later, we have the moment of the resurrection, the moment of him standing there in front of his brothers. And the moment he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. These are moments. These are moments that we have. The book of Acts continues. 
moments, Jerusalem, persecution, Antioch, Peter's vision of unclean animals coming and going that draws a straight line from that vision and his obedience to that moment to the moment you gave your life to Jesus if you're a Gentile. Those are moments when Paul takes three missionary journeys and spreads the gospel really over most of the known world and writes letters to his friends in Ephesus and Galatia, the province of Galatia and Philippi that becomes scripture that we read later on. Our heritage, are you guys still here this morning? Our heritage is made out of moments. And I, and I said all this to say this. Please follow me. I believe this is a moment. Three weeks, eight weeks, whatever you want to call it, of getting ready for us to be prepared to a place to understand this is our moment. You say, well, this moment feels pretty ordinary. There's a lot of ordinary moments that are trying to be extraordinary years later. Decisions that are made that look like, you know, I turned left instead of right. You don't know it was down the right lane. You went left, and, and you, you missed that tragedy. Or you turned right, and you found your destiny. David's out delivering food to his brothers when he hears the voice of a giant. He has no idea that delivered in 30 minutes or left, or it's free Domino's pizza that he's doing. All of a sudden, it comes the moment for which he's created. Moses is out looking around at his sheep, doing nothing, just wandering, and he sees a bush burning off in the distance that's not being consumed by the fire, and he approaches it, and God speaks to us, and these are our moments. So you say, is this really a deal? Yeah, making the most of this moment will create thousands of moments for other people. And I got news for you. It'll create thousands of moments for you too. It's the moment we believe. It's the moment we trust. It's the moment our head and our hands and our heart engage simultaneously to do something. What we do right now as a church creates thousands of meals. Can somebody say amen? I, I know that most of you have not been to Haiti. Trust me when I say a meal is the difference between life or death. Trust me when I say five meals during the course of a week is the difference between prospering and, and just being someone with no, no hope, no strength, diseased. Um, and we're talking about feeding 40,000 meals to kids in Haiti in this next year. You say, well, this moment feels ordinary to me. I promise you it doesn't feel ordinary to them. This is something we have come and go on a regular basis. You know, we're going to pledge to something at the end of the service. We're going to take our time, and we're going to kind of fill out some cards that will be handed out to you in just a few minutes. And we're going to, we're going to pledge. And some of you may say, you know what, I, I don't give anything, or I give something, but I want to give more, and I want to feed kids in Haiti. This is the moment that changes their moment. What we do right now creates counseling for marriages and families. How many guys, it's just hard to hear. Did you hear about Fred and Wilma? No, what happened? No, they didn't make it. Why, why not? What happened? I don't know. They're just irreconcilable differences. How many guys know through Christ it can all be reconciled? It just can be. And providing that, that atmosphere of professional Christian counseling, we have all the other layers. We do. We've got mentorship, and we've got good people in life groups. And, you know, but this, this last layer of it's just more complicated than we can handle. We don't know what to do next. We want to be able to send people <coughs> for counseling and helping them grow. Uh, encouragement for local teachers. This is something my wife and I didn't know was in our heart three months ago. Then we had Educator Sunday. And to this day, I, think, I don't know how many tens of thousands of sheets of paper we've delivered to school districts because they don't have any. Everybody say any. None. No paper. And so we're, we've been providing paper so teachers can teach our kids. We've been helping with coffee and sandwiches, and it's an in-service training day. And, and the church showing up to say, we love you guys. We pray for you regularly. We believe in you. We know you didn't get into teaching for the money and the fame any more than we did. You got into it because you love kids, and we love that you love kids. We want to give you one less thing to worry about. Provision for distant missionaries just this last, um, last week we had our missions meeting. We had to pick up 
uh, well, one for sure, but I think as many as three missionaries we didn't have to say no to. We're going to financially support them for the next three years. Come on, that's awesome. That, that means all the difference in the world to them. Distant missionaries all across the world, families uh, for, for kids without families. I, I really believe that one of the things that Clara's Hope does so well is to show you it's not impossible to love a child. It's going to be okay. We help you through the legal process, help you through the finances of it, help you through the, the adoption agencies, help you through the fostering registration. I mean, funding these things so that the kid who's in a system goes from being a number to a brother, a number to a daughter. This is incredible stuff. <clears throat> a virtual church community because so many people are responding to the gospel online, even though those who are local should be in church this morning. Those who are far away, like more than three miles, can be involved in disciple-making fellowship groups, life groups, but virtual life groups. If that's something you want to adopt, man, go for it. Things like a bridge from churches to schools, businesses, young adults, youth, kids, families, a place for our children and our grandchildren to have their moments with God on a Sunday or send them to camp or summer spectacular. Um, Things like thousands of things we can't see that come out of moments just like <coughs> these. This, this is the moment we reach outside of ourselves and we care about what God cares about in a tangible way. I'm going to remind you guys, generations before us. Come on, somebody say generations. The Burks. The families that have been here almost since day one. I ran into one of our just beautiful, wonderful, I, I don't want to embarrass Bev, but I don't want to use her last name, but... Bev was here when I got here, and she's out there in the floor with this morning with the same smile she had on her face the first time I met her 24 years ago. Faithful, reliable, uh, you know, I, I don't know generous, but I assume generous. You know what I mean? I don't know about the finances, but I'm just saying I, I know her well enough to know that, that it's like her and the, the yingers and the just on and on and on it goes. It was funny. I said, how many of you guys were here a couple weeks ago? You were here the very first Sunday. We were here, and people stood up, and somebody's like, who's that girl? She's like only like 23 years old. Been here for 24 years. Yeah, she was here when we got here. She was in her mother's womb, literally. <clears throat> so she stood. I'm like, you should stand. You were here. You answered the question right, right? Generations before us have come to moments like these, and instead of saying, well, maybe next week, well, it's not my problem. I just, it's the wrong season. They said yes. And in saying yes, we have a chair to sit on, a place to worship, a community we're reaching, a world that we're affecting. Guys, that, that is our heritage. That is our honor. And this is our moment. This is our turn. It's a wonderful life if you live it well. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. Uh, Oscars, I believe you're ready. We're going to hand out some cards. We've been talking about these cards now for several weeks. Started talking about these about eight weeks ago. Um, but in earnest, we've been talking about them. I've hoped that you've had time to plan, to think. We're going to have to have the house lights up, guys. Because they're going to do some writing here in a minute. So the house lights are going to come back up again. That way I can see you too. Right now I can see is that my glasses are dirty. Guys, put the house lights up, up. Not a little bit up, but up, up. That'd be good because we're going to need to do some writing. This is what I want to say to you. And I want to say this very, very carefully. Okay? Go ahead and start handing these out. They're going to hand more than enough that you need. They'll be handed all the way down to the end. And someone will pick up the excess on the end of the aisle. So don't worry about, i got to fill out all of these? Yes. No. No, you don't. Let me give you a little bit of explanation. Okay? What we're doing now is over like a one-time gift, a weekly gift, a monthly gift, a recurring gift. It's up to you. 
or nothing. Let me just say this, and I'll go through all the explanation because I want to say it very clearly but very succinctly. So please grab a card and pay attention at the same time because we don't want confusion. We work so hard and so long to get here as a people. Um, in a moment or two, we're going to take the moment where we, we fill out these cards, and then a little bit later we're going to walk them forward and place them on this altar. It's a sign of worship. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act of unity. Now, this is what this is for. If you're, let me just go over this. I'll read it to you. You can give or pledge any amount you'd like, but let me just put that in the parentheses, over and above your, your current general fund giving. So if you've been giving $10 a month for the last year and you're going to continue to give that $10 a month, please don't fill out a card because that would be confusing when it comes time to see, you know, we're budgeting for 2019 and all that kind of stuff. So this is for those who are going to give over and above their current general fund giving. Does that make sense? Does everybody get that? So if your giving is going to stay the same, don't fill out a card. God bless you. Thank you. Um, don't feel any pressure. This isn't compulsive. This isn't like you're not, this is not compulsory giving. This is joyful, cheerful giving we've been talking about, okay? So you can give or pledge any amount you'd like over and above your current general fund giving to go to any project you choose. My wife and I chose the educators project, um, something we're investing in heavily. We've also increased our, our regular giving by a certain percent, and uh, that's just going to go into the general fund. I actually filled out two cards because I didn't know what to do. So if you're going to fill out two cards, it's up to you. One was for the teacher's fund. One is for my increase in general fund giving, which will go on a monthly basis. So next thing, or you can give or pledge any amount you'd like, again, over and above your current general fund uh, giving right now, and allow us to choose which project takes priority as the year progresses. So there will be some of these we need to fund sooner rather than later. If God hasn't laid anything on your heart, but you would like to increase your giving, just fill out your name, how you want to give, all that kind of stuff. And or I just wrote down, I'm going to continue to give on a monthly basis by check. And so they'll be expecting that. But there's a number there that they're expecting that will increase. Okay. So if you don't know what to give to, don't, but you don't know you want to give more, then do that. Put that number on a card, and then we will, let's say the teacher's thing is the first thing we need to fund, or, you know, the kid's auditorium is the first thing we need to fund. Whatever it is, you'll have that opportunity to give, and then we'll choose where that money goes, and I believe God will bless you either way. Third thing, you can use any method of giving you prefer. You can give a check. You can use your debit card. You can do a bank transfer. Um, if you're going to use a credit card, I do. I use a credit card because it buys me things from Cabela's at the end of every year. Can I get a good amen? Dina's buys her Delta miles. Mine buys shotguns. Who do you think is better? I don't know. I don't know. So, um, but I would say this. If you're going to give in a recurring way, I would ask you to strongly consider, even if you're not ready to today, fill out the numbers and so forth. But if you don't know the routing numbers and all that stuff, and the reason I say do it in a recurring way through your checking account, a direct transfer, or we call smart give, um, doesn't make everything else dumb, just smart give. The reason we do it this way is because credit cards, there's identity theft and fraud, and they get canceled and three months into it. The other thing is because there's a charge, two, three, four percent, that Visa gets every time you give money to the church. Last year, I may be wrong, I think it's about $38,000 we spent in banking fees. So $38,000 that you meant to come here went to Visa. I'm tired of supporting Visa. I'd rather the two-cent transaction fee through the direct smart give option that's there. Fourth thing, we will all fill out our cards. We're going to pray over them and celebrate together by laying them on the altar as a congregation in just a few minutes. This is what we're going to do now. Um, 
I encourage you as a family, as I have been, think about this, pray about this. We sent the books home with you for the last couple of weeks. Again, if your giving is going to increase, if you're going to adopt the projects in any way, shape, or form, the card is for you. And I would ask that you begin filling them out right now, please. Look down and begin to write. Um, for those of you, again, I just want to make it very, very clear. Uh, we are not trying to create some tension of those who are going to walk forward in a moment and those who aren't. Everyone who walks forward with the card, we are going to celebrate. Somebody say amen. It's an increase towards feeding kids. It's an increase towards, you know, our teachers. It's an increase towards whatever it is that they had, that God put on their heart they're being obedient to. You're, you're going to fill them out, and whoever is ready and wants to, you can do this next week. Um, but we would ask that you do it as soon as possible because, again, we're budgeting for 2019, and we want to be able to make commitments to our teachers and commitments to missions, commitments to Conway of Hope to feed kids, commitments to our missionaries, commitments to uh, on and on it goes, all the different projects. How I many know Pastor Les wants to have a great offering to redo that children's auditorium because that's where he lives, man. He's in that room so many hours every week with our children. He wants to make sure it's awesome. So I, I'm looking to see if everybody is looking back up again. You've had time. And uh, if you are ready, are we ready? Put your hands on your card. Let's pray right now. So, Father, here's a bunch of food. Here's a bunch of love. Here's a bunch of clothes. Here's a change in facility. Here's a change in destiny. Here's, here's our moment. It is our honor to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is our honor to be asked into partnership. It is our turn and it is our moment. And in this moment, I pray, oh God, I pray, oh God, I pray, oh God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And everybody said, amen. Would you please stand to your feet as a congregation right now, everybody? Ushers, do not open the back doors because they will leak out as soon as you do. We have one last thing we need to do this morning, but we're just going to do this. I need an usher to come forward and stand right here because some people I know are going to drop a check in. I don't want checks on the platform, just the, just the card. So I need one usher to move. There you are right there. Good. How did I not see you? That just seems impossible. Yeah. Okay. And, and when he looks at you, if he scowls at you, just write another zero until he smiles. Is that fair? Just, this is the enforcer? No. All right. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. This is our moment. Let's change the world. Come forward. I'll give you a minute or so to come forward whenever you're ready. Bring them up. Lay them on the altar. And uh, I want to be the first. I got a second one for the second service. Look at our young people. And Pastor Jason, our old people too. All of this constitutes a change. A renewal, a focus, a blessing. I love that husbands and wives are coming forward to do this together. Some of you, I like seeing families with children coming forward. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor Crow, would you go person to person and just say, is that the best you can do on your way out this morning, would you? I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Guys, do you see what I see? I see a change. I see a shift. I see that the first person folded theirs on this side, and, and these are non-folding people on this side. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but, but so be it. Can we just pray together right now over these gifts, over these offerings, over these pledges? Either way. Are you folded? The folded ones have to be on this side. Yeah.
Don't mess up my system, lady. That's all I'm saying. Father, in the name of Jesus, we offer these gifts. There's faith in these things. There's, there's trust in these things. There's joy in these things. That in each and every one of these things, God, we ask you to bless. Bless these things. Bless the people that will be on the receiving end of these things, God. We're grateful to be such humbled recipients of your generosity, and it's awesome to be put in the same place of your hands, God, to give, to serve, to bless. So bless every single penny. Come on, church, pray with me. Every penny. Don't let a penny of it be wasted, God. Let, let this bring clarity to people that are confused and hope to people that are hopeless. Let it become calories to the hungry and, and time, God, for those that just they need to spend time with the wise, that they would walk with the wise and become wise. All these things, Jesus, bless them now. Bless everyone who was able to give today, God. I know there's many of the days, like, it's just not the right time, Jim. I pray that a, the right time would come soon. Um, maybe there's some things on this altar right now that they've been laid here because they belonged with the person in need right now. There's, that's wonderful. But every way, God, it's like manna. Nobody has too much. Nobody has too little. Those who have are generous. God, I thank you for the season of generosity you're leading us through now. We love you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. And you're here today, and you're like, you know what? I, I, I came to the church because I was looking for something, and it wasn't necessarily this. I get that. This is a specific day. But in the last 90 seconds, how many of you guys remember 90 seconds can change eternity. 90 seconds. Listen, I don't believe you're here because it's Pledge Sunday and somebody needs your money. I believe that there are people in this room that are here right now because what you need is Jesus. You need to know that he's more than a religious figure. He's more than a flannel graph in the basement of the church your grandma took you to. You need to know that, that he really does care about the moments of your life. And so he's planned everything around a moment just like this one, maybe even this one, for you to turn to him and say, I'm tired of running from you, God. I don't know why that's the phrase. I never use that phrase, but that is so strong in my heart. There's somebody here that would say, I'm just tired of running from you, God. I'm tired. I, want, I don't want to run from you. I want to come home to you. I want to run to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but I just, I want to lead us in a prayer right now. And again, just, just allow me to be led by the Spirit, even though it may be a little bit different than other Sundays. Just say this with me right now. Jesus, right now, I'm running to you. My running from you days are done. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. Be greater than the worst thing I've ever done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your word to stand on. And I will see you soon. Amen. Altar workers are coming forward at this time to pray, to help you, to discuss things with you. Uh, our altar workers are wise and loving and wonderful. How many guys hope we got to buy that new truck for the food pantry or Center of Hope? Yeah. Just Bob? Good. Jen didn't even raise her hand, you know. They're coming forward to pray, and uh, we believe the greatest days for the kingdom of God in 48430 and the surrounding areas are ahead of us. Somebody say amen. If you need prayer, come this way. If we haven't a chance to meet and I haven't a chance to hear your story, I'd love to hear it. I'll be back in that back room. Go grab your kids and come join us for a while. In the meantime, live long, prosper. God bless you guys. Got a lot of travel coming up, so please keep all of us in your prayers. Thank you.